Hey, sister. Hey, sister. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. <laughs> so this episode, we're doing something a little different. It's what we're calling extemporaneous style, which means what exactly, sister? Spoken or done without preparation. Oh, God help us. <laughs> So the idea is that every few weeks, we'll do a looser, less research-heavy episode where we can answer some listener questions, cover a current event or any media that's of interest to us. We can play games or share our process or make any corrections that we (laughs) see fit, which brings us to our first segment, which we are calling... A Susan of soup cons. Sister, would you al- like to elaborate on this further? Yes. As many of you know, my pronunciation of French, German, Russian, English <laughs> <laughs> frequently leaves something to be desired. And in an early iteration of the, the paranoid- first yes. iteration. In our first iteration of paranoid style, when we were completely extemporaneous. And it really showed. (laughs) I used the word soup con, which I later found out is pronounced soup son. So, Susan? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so far, this correction section's going pretty good. (laughs) Yes, a soup son of soup cons. A Susan of soup cons. Yeah, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Do you remember the context that you used that word in? I'm pretty sure it was when we were discussing what I was looking for in terms of an idea to start writing the book. Yeah. And I said it should have like a little bit of Illuminati, a soup con of devil worship. Right, right. Which ended up in the opening theme song. And originally, SoupCon was in there. So we, so luckily, an early listener of ours pointed that out. That was extracted from the intro. That's okay. Pronunciation is hard. <laughs> As I discovered, when it came to a noble family of Minska, <laughs> which, I, <laughs> which I refer to several hundred times as a, a noble, noble family, family of, of minks. minks. Which cracked me up every time because I just kept picturing noble family of little minks. In the JFK episode, which just released for us. Yes. Like literally a day ago or something. Yep. I make reference to a man by the name of George de Morinschild, who came from a noble family of Minska. <laughs> And I say it twice, and I say it real slow, because it was the first time I actually managed to get it correct. It still doesn't sound right It to doesn't. Me. It doesn't. Minska. Along those same lines, I had the worst time. And we actually left it in there. We did. But it was during the Hollow Earth episode when Sims, when he had his letter asking for volunteers to go up with him on his trip to the hollow earth. He wanted to start his journey in Siberia. But every time I said it, I said Serbia. And it never failed. I yeah. got 
I got it wrong so many times. So we actually just left that one in the episode just because. Yeah. At a certain point, (laughs) it's just meant to be, I suppose. At a certain point, it seemed like it should be in there. Right. And then also at a certain point, as another example, you just give up. Yeah. Like it's just too hard to try and fix your mistakes, even when you know they're there, as I learned when I realized that I had been misusing the word preceding in a f- in an episode, possibly just one. It could have been multiple episodes. I think it was but just But I kept one. saying preceding, meaning to come behind something, which is actually the word succeeding. And so when I realized that I had messed this up, we went through and we tried to fix as many as we could. There was one that at least one that remained in the episode. So if that's the correction you were going to send us, it's too late. We know about it. (laughs) It's in MK Ultra. Minsk. Minx. Soupçon. Soupçon. Soupcon. So I suppose if you've noticed any mistakes that we've made... You can let us know. Might be easier if you just send in what we got right. Exactly. (laughs) I will say it is kind of weird, though, as we've been doing this, just like how hard it is to pronounce certain words. And, And I don't know if in everyday speech I have problems with them, but like questioning she does we just haven't (laughs) told her yet (laughs) i guess i just don't notice but if i have to say a lot of s's in a row i feel go haywire i feel like you have a problem with a lot of b's in a row like better business questionable behavior (laughs) and i love long words but if a word is too long like my mouth gets confused and lost in the middle of saying it. It's like questionable. No, but see, I can say it fine now. I could not for the life of me say it. So I had to change it to suspicious. Okay, so that has been a Susan of soup cons. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of more in the future. Hopefully it's something you enjoy listening to. If not, we'll figure that out later. Yeah, it'll be added to the pile of soup cons, basically. So let's get to a listener question. This question comes from Miss Deborah Befores of Hackensack, New Jersey. That sounds made up. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Deborah wants to know, what is your favorite, wait, New Jersey. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? What type of conspiracy? (laughs) Thanks for asking, Deborah Befores. I was thinking about this question. And initially, I was thinking anything with creepy societies or weird, like, culty practices. Like, I like that kind of stuff. But on further consideration, I realized even more than that, I love any conspiracy theory that involves secret books. So, for example, the President's Book of Alleged Secrets, the Vatican Secret Library... Library. That's one of those words that I have to. <laughs> and then the other day on Twitter, I saw a reference to the nine unknown men and the nine books of forbidden knowledge that they compiled and were responsible for guarding to protect humans from acquiring knowledge that would result in the destruction of the world. 
That is so weird. Oh, wait, maybe you told me about it. I did. It. Oh, okay. I was going to say, did. that is so weird. I just heard about this the other day. <laughs> you did from me? From the only person I talked to. <laughs> yeah. How strange. <laughs> so I looked into it a little bit, and this is the only preparation I actually did for this episode, but the story involves Ashoka, or as he is more commonly known, Ashoka the Great, who was an Indian emperor of the Maurya dynasty and ruled most of the Indian subcontinent from 268 to 232 BCE. About. Ashoka was a fierce warrior, but he converted to Buddhism after being horrified about the scale of destruction and the cost of human life caused by the Kalinga War. At that point, he decided that true power was knowledge the more you know. So he gathered a group of nine anonymous brilliant men. They were anonymous to protect them from people trying to, I don't know, kidnap them and take their knowledge, I guess. And I mean, wow. the, the report, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of information on this that I could find. There's books. There was a book from 1923 that talked about this. And apparently Ashoka left like documents and diary kind of things that sort of mention that he was trying to collect information. But so he gathered a group of nine anonymous brilliant men and they compiled knowledge about natural science, psychology, physiology, the composition of matter, physics, chemistry, and astronomy, including knowledge about communicating with aliens. (gasps) Allegedly. (laughs) And they put these together in the ultimate collection of time life books. (laughs) And have continued throughout history. There's always a constant new group of nine anonymous men who guard these books. Oh, that is... Oh, wait. I thought you meant there was always going to be nine new men to add to the books. Oh, maybe. Because what about all the knowledge we've gained since 232 BCE? I mean, I mean, surely there's something <laughs> worth. No, but see, if it's general knowledge, it doesn't need to go into the secret books. The only thing that I mean, maybe they've discovered some secret knowledge. I mean, Alistair then. Crowley, Crowley, Alistair Crowley, Crowley didn't dun, dun. glean any sort of new secret information that should be protected. I mean, maybe, but wouldn't he keep that in? Alistair Crowley's secret book of knowledge. Well, actually, if I'm remembering correctly, which I'm probably not, I do want to say that that was part of the like scandal of Alistair Crowley was that he wanted to take the stuff that he was learning as part of the Order of the Golden Dawn and share it with more people, make it less of a closed society. So actually, Crowley's not a good example because he actually would have wanted to disseminate that that is fun and like you know the necronomicon the egyptian book of the dead anything that's like it's a secret and mysterious evil book right and how about you what is your answer to deborah before's question i picked the same thing you initially picked as far as secret societies and occults meaning in our like everyday world so like as an example that you know i love the idea of our country's forefathers being Masons, right? Benjamin Franklin being a member of the Hellfire Club, you know, the pentagram allegedly designed into the streets of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Presence of obelisks everywhere in the United States, including in Dealey Plaza, which I right. did not realize. 
a certain first lady who was possibly fathered by a cultist, Alistair <laughs> dun, Crowley. Dun, dun, dun. The fact that they think the signing of the Declaration of the Independence was done purposely on July 4th because astrologically it was the best day because the star Sirius was in alignment with the sun. Wow. So basically anything that links our like normal earthbound existence to the occult. But if all of this (laughs) is just (laughs) rambling and cannot be used, I love the concept of other dimensions existing. Yes. And that sometimes they, oh shit, there's an earthquake. Is this because I was talking about Satan? Holy crap. That was was interesting. Earthquake right in the middle of this podcast. You've (laughs) angered the secret societies, Amanda. Where was I? (laughs) I love the concept of other dimensions existing parallel to ours. Okay, okay. And the idea that sometimes the two dimensions can bleed into each other. Okay, so, so let me clarify. Is this where like there's another world that is identical to Earth, and it's like Earth 2. Not quite like Earth 2 kind of stuff. More like a dimension that houses Bigfoots. There's a dimension that houses goblins. There's a dimension that looks exactly like ours, except for there's, like, it's the Berenstein Bears or whatever. (laughs) Not quite... Not quite Mandela effect, though. I'm talking more about the idea that that there's like a a bleed into our dimension that results in things like strange creature sightings or glitches in the matrix, like these weird anomalies that happen. So do you believe that Bigfoot exists on this Earth or is he only part of a parallel dimension? If it changes your mind, I read a recent article about a man who got attacked by Bigfoot. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> well, I mean, but who's to say that wasn't like a Bigfoot from another dimension? <laughs> I mean, yeah, who's um, to say? It would explain why Bigfoot's big feats are so, <laughs> are so, uh, what's that word? Illustrious. No. Illusory. No elusive elusive if they're not actually in this dimension but sometimes they manage to find a way to cross over and be seen that's true but that's why you never run across bones or scat you would think that there would be more sightings if there were one in this dimension i guess that could also be explained by hollow earth (gasps) if they can get deep enough and they just come out every once in a while they'd be hard to find and then in theory all their poops and their dead would also be in the hollow earth gross i'm not going into the hollow earth (laughs) just full of bigfoot poop i recently ran across a interesting news article Ooh. Tell me more. This is from 
uh, CBS News, and it's about the iconic ocean liner, the Titanic. As we know, the Titanic is sitting at the bottom of the ocean, the North Atlantic Ocean, and it is disappearing fast. The iron is breaking down. Everything in it is breaking yeah. down. It's disappearing. So there is a group called Ocean Gate, and they have decided that they are going to take archaeologists and marine biologists, and they are going to start studying the wreckage of the Titanic on a regular basis because Ah. it's getting to the point where soon it's going to be completely gone. So they want to study it because it's going to show them, in addition to showing them how things like that do break down under the ocean and how long it takes, it's also apparently there's some marine creatures that only live within or around the wreckage of the Titanic. So it's also going to help them study, you know, why certain creatures exactly, why are they drawn? on there why they stay there that's interesting ocean gate this expedition they will not be taking anything from the site there was another expedition that apparently was going to try and retrieve the titanic's radio and the company that owns the rex salvage right put the kibosh on it what company owns that right and how did they get it i wonder like are they actually related to the original owners of the titanic or i don't know hold on they're called the RMS Titanic. It's an Atlanta-based salvage firm called RMS Titanic Incorporated. That's interesting. I wonder how they got those rights. Apparently, they were able to stop them by saying that federal law requires the firm to get authorization from the Secretary of Commerce before conducting salvage expeditions that would physically alter or disturb the wreck. Or are they trying to hide something? (laughs) I don't know. Are they trying to hide something? <laughs> so this Ocean Gate, they don't think they'll find anything that's front page news, but it's mostly just to understand, yeah, you know, what's happening to it now, I guess. Hundreds of species have only been seen at the wreck. Wow. I know. I wonder if it's because there, there's species that wouldn't normally congregate, but since there's something to congregate around, they just so happen to be there. Like, I mean, I imagine there's nooks and crannies for them to live in. And yeah, they're also bringing 40 people that paid to come along. I guess it would cost 100000 to $150,000 a piece to go down there with them. Hmm. Cheaper to than going to space. I think somebody paid $28 million dollars. Oh, yeah, $28 million to go on Blue Origin. Yeah. Yeah. So this was in the news recently, and our last episode that just released was also on the Titanic. A little bit of synchronicity there that these were so close. And I learned a lot from that episode that I did not know. Hmm. That was one that you researched and wrote, sister, and I was not familiar with a lot of that information. If you don't know what theory we're talking about, go download our episode from last week where we talk about the Titanic. I've heard this story so many times. I've heard it told in such convincing ways. I've heard people point to this evidence that seemed totally believable and well thought out. And then for the first time, when I started doing my own research, I really, I started to have a harder and harder time believing that it could be true. Yeah. Yeah. Like once I was forced to go look for this same information myself, it suddenly became, you know. It was obvious that the information wasn't from plentiful and reliable sources. Yes. One of the main sources of information that I used for that, encyclopedia titanica.org. 
Uh-huh. And they collect everything related to the Titanic and its history. If there was going to be ways to find this information, that would have been a good place to start. And right. And now it's time for a segment called Get to Know Your Hosts. I'm Christine, and here's a little fact about me. I'm a very slow writer, and also I'm a bit of a control freak, and I'm a vegetarian, and I love animals, and I have two cats, Lady Bunny and Trixie Mutel DiMaggio, and I also have a betta fish named Funfetti. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, my name is Amanda. I also have two cats. They're brothers. They've been together since birth. Their names are Moss and Roy. <laughs> That's not that Is much. This too personal. <laughs> I am an Aquarius. Oh, I'm a Virgo. Did I say that? No. With a Virgo rising and a Cancer moon. So if anyone knows astrology and they would like to tell me about that, please feel free to email us. <laughs> I've got a mojo rising. Uh, <laughs> I like creepy things like horror movies. Halloween. Halloween, conspiracy theories, mysteries, true yeah. crime. I love mysteries. Anything that gets my heart of humping quicker. <laughs> what was your favorite horror movie you've seen recently? Very recently I watched a film called PG Psycho Goreman. I still haven't watched it oh. yet, but it is on my list. <laughs> it was such a pleasant surprise. It was so good it was so funny was not scary but there was definitely some gore as you'd expect from something yeah. called psycho gore man i have a love-hate relationship with horror because i get too scared <laughs> so like there's a lot of movies that i've started watching and then i'm like nope nope this isn't <laughs> this isn't gonna work out for me yeah because even though in my head i know that the real things you have to worry about are like other humans and right. poverty and earthquakes and things like that. pandemics pandemics in my mind i still consider vampires to be <laughs> the number one threat to my safety oh my god they're so not <laughs> scary though oh please Besides Nosferatu, <laughs> when was the last time you saw a scary vampire on film? Books are another thing. Like, I have not read a good cross-section of vampire novels, which yeah. maybe you can help me out with. Yeah. But I don't know. Vampires are never scary. They always set them up to be, like, sexy or... Yeah, that is true. I'm scared of <laughs> sexy vampires. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I always am like, we're not really werewolves, but just, like, ghosts and monsters demonic possession you know the classics right but i have been watching the television series evil which is in its second season and i think there's like about three or four episodes out now and i'm really enjoying it still yeah it's it's weird but it's enjoyable i have not watched any of the second season yet so no spoilers okay i will get to it i'm waiting for episodes to build up yeah so because i hate waiting i need instant gratification are you getting the feeling that they're going as a more earthly based resolution to everything or are they going way more 
I would say supernatural. It's hard to say. It's still striking the balance that it did in the first season where everything that's supernatural-ish seems to be also explainable in some way by a normal human explanation. Yeah. But there have been a couple of things that I think that they are, they're pushing the like main skeptic character, Ben. Oh, the, oh, Ben. Ben. Yeah. 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 They're kind of pushing Ben to kind of get him more onto the, uh, Loving. Yeah. Wait, what is he? Ben the Magnificent? Yeah, is Ben that the Magnificent. <laughs> yes. So I like I like that TV show. And then, of course, my favorite obsession is RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> it's RuPaul's Drag Race. I love that show. I had never... You had been watching it since the beginning. Yeah. This is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but I had only started watching them in 2020 during the it pandemic. Your- <laughs> <laughs> it was your pandemic <laughs> binge it was it was like my i needed something to feel like okay dude that is such a good pandemic it was it saved me from the second half of 2020 but so i watched every season and all of the all-stars and i just love it i have to say i love it i could go i was waiting (laughs) what do you love about it i you know it's hard to say i guess i just love that it's it's not your typical standard run-of-the-mill tv i mean it is and it isn't it's taking something that's pretty standard reality television Mm -hmm. but it's putting in a group of people who are underrepresented yeah in media especially when it first started. And I just like seeing these people's lives. And and also it's fun and there's a lot of humor Mm -hmm. and there's glamour. Yeah. And I just think it's a really, I think it's a really good show. (laughs) So do the Emmys. (laughs) The Emmys also think it's a really good show. It's true. Uh, Yeah, I do enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. I must admit. A little off topic. A little. Now you've gotten to know a little bit about your host. (laughs) Maybe more than you wanted to know. (laughs) So sister, if people wanted to send us some, I mean, I'm not saying Deborah Befores isn't real. (laughs) She's not. If a real human wanted to, I don't know, send us a question or a topic or... Yeah, if you have any topic suggestions, questions, or stories that you want to share with us, you can email us at theparanoidstylepod at gmail.com. And we may feature your question or email on future extemporaneous episodes. Heck yeah. If you'd like to help us out, tell your friends and family to listen to us. And then assure them that they will not be brainwashed into becoming Q and non followers, <laughs> probably. And if you can, please rate and review our podcast if you like what you hear. If not, maybe just keep it to yourself. <laughs> And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on the social medias. At Instagram, we're at the Paranoid Style Pod. On Twitter, we're at style underscore paranoid. But don't spend too much time on the social medias. It's not good for your brain. But follow us and then stop. <laughs> follow us first. Check our sites daily for updates. And then, you know, get offline. And then consider getting offline yeah. for a little bit. I guess we're done. We're sisters. I guess, we should, I guess we should have mentioned that in our get to know your host section. In case the, hey, sister, at the beginning of well, every... it could be like a, you know, a, just a, hey, sister. Like a universal sister. <laughs> We're actually True. blood sisters, as far as we know. <laughs> as far as we know. 
something with a little Illuminati, right. a soup kind of, you know, devil worship. And Damoran Schilt came from a rich noble family of Minsk. Minsk. Jerry Lewis. Hey, lady. To start from Serbia. To start from Serbia. Fudge. Um, like, like, you know, um, uh, the, the, um, I was faking it for the podcast.